You're listening to Feed for Thought by Milne Feeds. It's Tom here with you for this episode of Feed for Thought, and we're joined today by a very special guest. Welcome to the show, Tiny Holly. G'day. Hey, Tom. It's uh, quite a unique name, really, when you when you look at my my background. Um, hey, yeah, nothing like a feed, so that's for sure. Yeah. So, that... <laughs> so Tiny, look, um, first of all, thanks for giving us some time to have a chat with us today. I know you've um, got quite a few things you can talk to us about, so I think we'll just start at the beginning, Tiny. So most people would know you as being a, a local WA auctioneer of somewhat great renown. Um, you've raised quite a bit of money through your auctions over the years, but we want to start at the very beginning, Tiny. We want you to tell us how did the journey begin? Where did it begin? How old were you? Yeah, what can you tell us? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's a funny one, Tom. I suppose I'm I'm very very lucky in one way. Well, I'm very lucky in in many ways, but I um, sort of picked my vocation at the age of eleven when I heard the song "The Auctioneer." Um, and it was, I can tell you where I was and what I was wearing and everything. And my, I was on the front porch of the family farm with my grandfather and, um, I heard the song, the auctioneer. And I said to my grandfather then, I said, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And he said, oh, Struth, it's, you know, it's a pretty tough gig and all that sort of thing. And I said, well, you know, that's, that's what it is because I stuck, struggled through school, um, uh, big time, um, with reading and writing, especially primary school's all right. But uh, once I got to high school, it, yeah, I was knocked around, I suppose, um, mm. because I, you know, back then, 40-odd years ago, I probably had a little bit of dyslexia. And, um, yeah, I really, really struggled with English and uh, science and all that sort of thing. I was good at maths, which is handy, mm. um, but everything else I struggled with. And, and of course, my grandfather, Da, he, he sort of knew that. And um, so that's when he said it was going to be hard. but. Uh, also at the time, well, all my life I've, I've ridden horses for Polo and Polo Cross and um, I used to ride every morning at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock when, whenever suited and um, in the mornings I'd just ride my horse and away I'd go. I sort of taught myself to, to auction from that song and, um, yeah, here we are today, $39,500,000 down the track for charity and, um, yeah, got the best job in Australia, I say don't work and I get paid for it. So, you know, it's, um, I never go to work and say, I'd never go to bed saying it's truth. I've got to get up and go to work tomorrow. You know, disappointingly, I always say ripper, I've got to go to work tomorrow and, um, you know, away we go sort of thing. So, and it's, it's, it certainly helps, you know, when you do something that I do and, and certainly love, um, and people tell me I'm half good at it's, it's, um, quite rewarding, you know, to, to do that. Wow. It's amazing to hear you so excited about it, even after all this time. I'm not, not trying to have a dig at your age here, Tiny. I was just, you've obviously <laughs> was been, say, yeah. you've been doing 2056. it a while. <laughs> yeah, no, well, so when you look back at, you know, I was 11 uh, when I decided that that's what I was going to do. And what I am now, 56, a young 56. And um, yeah, so it's truth, that's 45 years, I suppose, that I've been having a crack at it. Oh, you're still good at math then. Uh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah well, I told you I was good at math at school. Yeah. So. So it's very, very, very lucky. You know, it's it's one of those things that you have some bad luck, but you make good luck yourself. So um, fortunate enough to to have that bit of bad luck that's probably kept me kept me alive, I suppose, in one way. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. And we'll we'll get to that shortly. But um, Tiny, what what was it like trying to get into becoming an auctioneer? Was it a difficult process, or did you apprentice to someone and then start to get the reins yourself, and off you went from there? How did that work? 
Uh, well, it, it, it is a bit of a, um, a tough – well, it's a, it's a different gig. You know, back in 1987 when I first joined the Big, uh, big E, um, I was put on as a, as a trainee uh, in – so I did all my questioning and all that in, in Geraldton where, where we lived. And I, my first transfer was to Mora. So I was a trainee stockman, I suppose you'd say, um, territory salesman. And then from there, I just pushed and pushed and pushed with with a few people to to get the uh, auctioneering gig. And yeah, from there it, it went. And then I was lucky enough to be transferred to Midland about seven or eight months after my I started. And there I was under you know virtually the kings of of auctioneering at the time. So um, yeah, very very lucky to go to Midland. When I did, and you know, although I had an area to do, I was also selling the calves and that sort of thing at at, at Midland uh, back in those days. And um, yeah, under the best in the business, you know, it is a tough gig. Um, well, it was it, it, certainly back then. These days, I believe that it's part of your traineeship uh, to do a little bit of auctioneering, which to me is probably not a hundred percent because if you're not passionate about it, you might as well not do it because we can all count. So, and, you know, it's it's the little things and the passionate things that you put into your auction that um, that make the difference, in my opinion. Yeah, and look, you would have had a lot of time to craft that and work out your own niche there and what you enjoy and the little bits of humour and whatnot. But I also have to ask, in terms of speaking really, really fast, I would say that some of the quickest speaking auctioneers are on par with any of the uh, modern-day rap artists who are, you know, <laughs> chart-topping in terms of their speed, if, if not faster. Is that something that you had to practice a lot in those earlier days? And then, you know, obviously it'd be natural now, but is it something that you had to go away and practice quite a lot? Well, it, it is because you've got to teach yourself, you know, your own individual patter and all that sort of thing. And you can't be taught, well, in my opinion, you can't be taught to do your own your own patter and your own style mm. because, you know, it's, it's got to be unique uh, to the individual. Um, you know, we, we probably all say this, a similar thing but in different ways and at different times. Um, you know, and you say about a rapper, well, a rapper can practice what he's going to say with his song, but when when you're selling, you know, you don't know how fast or slow or, or if bids are going to come. So you sort of – that's when you've got to think on your feet. Well, Struth, that's probably not a good one for me to say, but you've got to think pretty quickly and, um, you know, make it up as, as you go along sort of thing. So you probably – well, I certainly don't know what I'm going to say until such time as it happens. Well, there's a couple of unique things that I say, but um, – you never say, well, I'm going to sell them, uh, say that on the fourth bull or, or the fourth, you know, piece of machinery or whatever you're selling. So it's, you, you've got to be pretty, pretty quick with a, with a comment or with part of your skill, I suppose. And that's, you know, you sort of practice those all the time while you're driving along. I still practice all the time to hopefully get, get um, reasonable at it one day. But, you know, if, if you don't practice in that, it's, you know, you go behind the eight ball, in my belief, you know, so. It, that's a, a funny question that you know because people do compare uh, a lot of certainly the American ones with with rappers and those sorts of things. So, um, but yeah, like I say, they can practice, and yeah. we can't practice to say when Tom's going to have a bid on lot number fourteen or whatever at a at a certain bull sale. No, no, you've got to have uh, mastered improvisation as well as patter. So, um, yeah, there we go. Yeah. I, th- I think we've just decided which is the better skill. <laughs> well, yeah, I wouldn't tell M and M that, but yeah, <laughs> I know, I know what it's like. Yeah, they yeah. get more money than us, but <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, 
So um, in terms of you obviously have your own business um, as an auctioneer, Tiny. So when did that start? And what's some of your more memorable auctions, I guess, running your own business? Well, um, I, I sort of started and it, it sort of leads into my depression, I suppose. When when my depression hit me quite bad uh, back in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, I, I really was looking for something special, you know, that I could do. And um, I thought, well, you know, I've been doing these chook raffles and all those sorts of things for footy clubs and, and uh, golf clubs and all that sort of thing and not getting paid for it, which, you know, was fine because it was a community service that I didn't mind doing at the time. But then I thought, well, I'll I'll give it a crack and, you know, see whether I can go out there and do, you know, some extra stuff, whether it be real estate auctions or, or you know, things like that. So I started it up and... Yeah, the next thing I know, there's a couple of charity balls and those sorts of people in, in Perth that were very keen. Um, so it sort of rolled on from there. And um, I think it was 2005, I think I officially started the business and um, haven't looked back since. So, and that's what I say, you know, I've raised um, $39,500. And um, yeah, certainly uh, the best thing I ever did. And a, a very good friend of mine, and I hate to name drop, but I love to name drop. Is Kevin Bloody Wilson, and we we catch up quite regularly. And he said, "Once I've got it right, I'll never work again." Well, he's pretty right, and as I said earlier on, you know, I don't consider myself uh, as a worker. Well, I'm certainly not a worker. I'm probably one of the laziest fellows around, but I love what I do, and it, it comes very easy to me. And um, it's certainly not a job. You know, it's uh, it's a passion, and I'm very, very, very passionate about it. Um, whether it be because I'm helping people or whether I'm doing what I love and half good at. So um, I'm very, very lucky. And then from there, it just sort of snowballed. I've never sort of really advertised or anything. It's just, just word of mouth. And um, things grow from there. From from um, from auctioneering, it led to a, a few MC jobs and, and those sorts of things. So in, like I say, again, I'm you know probably the luckiest fellow going around to do what I do. It takes a very special type of person to be able to MC and uh, improvise on the spot in front of crowds like that. And it's funny, Tiny, because I think having that agricultural background, for some reason, it gives you a bit of an edge, even especially sometimes in those more metro settings. Um, so, you know, if you're at the convention center or if you're at the uh, the Crown or somewhere and there's a, a big ball or charity event going on, you know, you're sort of plucked out from the middle of nowhere and put in there with all these people who you wouldn't normally see or talk to. Um, but yep. you can have quite amazing results sometimes. I certainly, and you know, it's it's that little bit of um, uh, the difference between, and I certainly mean this in the nicest possible way, between city and country. It's um, you know we are a little bit different in the in the country where we you know talk to most people that we see and say good day and all that sort of thing. Unfortunately, in Perth and in the bigger cities, they don't get that opportunity because you know. People quite often in their own world and got the headphones on and you just keep walking. You know, you say hello to someone in Perth, and sometimes it's like you took their, you know, their wallet out of their back pocket. But it's yeah, so it is a bit of a well. I say I've got a gift from God, and 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 that's you know that's what it is. I I do have a bit of faith or a lot of faith, and it's got me where I am. And you know, it to be able to turn around um, from sitting at a at a table with people, you know, right. Certainly not a boisterous fellow when I'm sitting down at the table, but as soon as I go up the stairs and, and put the mask on or the mask drops on me somehow, um, it's a different world. It really is. Mm. So 
we were, you mentioned um, depression around sort of the same time that you were starting your own business. So was that part of the process of overcoming that or how long did that last for? Well, I, I, I've been a depression sufferer uh, now for 29 years. Um, but more than that, I consider myself, well, I am a, a depression survivor. So um, having written three suicide notes over a period of time of that time, um, you know, I'm, again, very, very lucky to to um, still be here after some of the um, pretty ordinary thoughts that go through your mind at a, a, you know, dark times. And, you know, I don't mean to frighten everyone, but it, it, it is, it's real. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are or, or what you do or, mm. you know, where you're from. It's it's a real thing. So um, it, it did work is my probably um, my biggest drug that I take for my depression and, like I say, that's that's why I'm uh, always say that I'm very very lucky with with what I do. You know, I take my four or five pills a, a night for my depression, but that that fifth one is um, certainly work. And um, yeah, I, I haven't looked back, but I, I do do blame my survival uh, certainly on my family, uh, a few friends, and um, my work definitely. Yeah, well, lots of blame to go around, and that's a good thing in this case. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Tiny, look, that's, that's part of some of the struggles that you've had. Um, but there's been more, there's been more struggles in recent <laughs> years and you've had to overcome those and they're, they're completely different to depression. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you overcame that? It, it's funny you say that, you know, it, it ties in with the depression. It's probably one of the better things that have happened to me in, uh, to a certain degree is, uh, when I lost my first leg, which was caused by, um, a sunburn on a sunburnt toe on the 19th of December uh, two, 2019. Uh, one toe got sunburnt, and um, down at Manjum Up, I was commentating at the log chop, and we thought nothing of it. I was under a gazebo and um, as you know, cool as I could be on a 41 degree day down there, uh, with the sea breeze from Sydney and all that sort of thing. Mm. It, it, my feet were, I had my feet crossed out, out the front um, of the gazebo thinking that they were in the shade, but this one foot, because I was crossed, that was the toe that was uh, sticking out more so than than any, you know, on the, in my sandals. And it got burnt and it actually blistered a couple of days later. Thought nothing of it and, you know, treated the blister like you do. And uh, as the advert goes, next minute, um, I'm sort of, uh, the toes got infected where the blister was and because of my diabetes and, 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 um, it, it got infected, and then before you knew it, it, it was gangrene. So um, that toe had to come off um, down the track in 2020. In uh, what are we looking? Uh, March, I think it was March 29th or something. So that that um, that toe come off, and it sort of snowballed pretty quickly from there. And because it had got into the bone uh, or the bones of the foot, they chopped the uh, the second toe off. Uh, so I lost the middle toe, then I lost the the second toe near the uh, the pinky toe or the little toe, and uh, that was six weeks after um, after that, and then three weeks after that, I lost my dear mum um, in, in 2020 as well, and then three weeks after that, they, because the foot wasn't healing because of my diabetes, and they wanted to take my little toe off and half my foot, and I I flatly refused, and they said, well, you really don't have much chance. That's uh, if you don't, and I said, well, instead of taking the the toe and the half of the foot, why don't you take my leg? And 
um, you know, give me a bit of time and I'll do the rehab and get a wooden leg and away we go. And they sort of undenied because they were taken aback a, a little bit. And um, so there was two doctors that were for it, two that were against it. And I said, well, I'm going to make myself the chairman here and I'll have the fifth vote and the fifth vote will be to chop it off. So we chopped that off in uh, the 29th of April. And um, from there on, it's, it's probably the best thing I ever did. I said to my psychiatrist not long ago, you know, looking back, it was one of those things that I should have done 29 years ago is chop my leg off because it did do some good for, for my depression. And um, certainly the dark thoughts had gone and all that sort of thing because I had to do this leg for family and friends and work and those sorts of things. So, you know, no one can do it do it for me. If that was the case, I certainly would have got someone to do it for me, but you can't. So it was just that's when I come up with the line onwards and upwards and away we go. So, that, you know, that's where we got to and I couldn't have been happier for a long time. Wow. Okay. So a bit of a catalyst there, but as you say, you kind of rose to the occasion and yep. they gave you all those reasons. So you pressed on and then it wasn't over. No, it wasn't over. And, you know, it's, um, like I say, there's, there's always someone worse off, but you know, people were around me were saying, oh, you poor bugger and all those sorts of things. Well, in 2022, I, uh, woke up once a Monday morning and my foot was a little bit pinker than you know, than, than the normal skin tone, and I thought, you know, nothing of it. Then by about 11 o'clock, it had got a little bit pinker, so being my foot and only having one at the time, I said said to my wife and daughter, I said, well, I'll just go and see Dr. Nina and, you know, see what she reckons, maybe get some antibiotics. So I had an appointment later that afternoon with her and it had got a little bit redder, and then she gave me antibiotics. The next morning it had um, it got a lot worse and swelled up and, it was a bit of a sore on the top of the foot. Um, that afternoon, that had got almost black um, and puffy and uh, a little bit uh, of moisture in the, in this particular part of the foot. So kept taking the um, the antibiotics and um, icing it and doing all that sort of thing. Well, then Wednesday morning, it was, yeah, it was uh, over the top. So I rang friends in Fiona Stanley with, I suppose I had a few little contacts uh, that other people don't have. So. I went and uh, straight up there, and then that was a Wednesday, and um, Wednesday night they cut part of my foot off, and then three days later they cut my other leg off uh, again because I said I'm not going to muck around, so let's get on with the like we did last time and and move forward pretty quickly, um, you know, and that's what we did. So it, away we went, and once again I say, um, you know, here I am, and probably very very happy and. And not a lot of drama in, in my life. So mobility-wise, still able to get around, do most things, drive a car, the, you've been able to still manage? Yeah, no, look, it's, it's, uh, we are absolutely blessed with what we get. Um, NDIS, and that always seems to be in the news, but uh, they're an amazing um, part of, the, of, of our Australian community these days. And um, they modified my car, they modified my house, um, my two wooden legs and all that sort of thing are, um, are all paid for, and you know there's probably no excuse if you if you want to do it. Not I only had five things that I wanted to do in in rehab, and bearing in mind in 2022 I was there for 18 weeks um, with with a bit of leg trouble that wouldn't close up, and the time before it was um, 10 weeks in 2020. So 
I, I got to know quite a few people in the hospital and all that sort of thing. But yeah, we, we're just absolutely blessed if you do what people say to do in the hospitals. Well, you come out walking and doing whatever you want, you know, and all, all those five things now have been ticked off. So um, yeah, again, not many complaints from this fat duck. <laughs> so it sounds like if you, if you had to choose between the two, it'd say that the depression was actually the one that was harder to overcome. Whereas a lot of people on paper would look at it and say, oh, come on, Tiny, surely the legs, that's got to be the biggest deal in your life. But I'm not hearing that when you're talking about it. No, nah, look, it, and it's, it's, it's funny, you know, I, the depression, I don't think anyone wants it. Well, no, certainly no one wants depression, but I think I was, uh, for the want of another word, I suppose, I, you know, I was probably given it for a reason because I'm very, very open about it and and certainly love talking about it and helping people. But, um, you know, after, like I say, 29 years and I'm, I'm still on medication for my depression, that doesn't seem to want to go away. And uh, my psych probably said that it won't go away, but um, my legs, it's yeah, they're part of you pretty quickly and you can see them, you know, you can see that, that I have a disability with my legs. Um, with the depression, you can't. And, you know, unless I go somewhere to do my talk, um, it's, it's you know, put a bandage on my head. People never ask how you are. No, that's right. um, you know, but my legs, I do. So, um, yeah, I don't consider myself um, a real, a real um, what's the word, um, disabled person. But with the car and that, I drive with my hands and um, I've got the brake and, and, and the accelerator on one lever and I have one of those trucky knobs on my steering wheel to make um, everything easy. Um, Flicks on that, you get a choice of having the ones on your on your um, accelerator uh, stick, or you can use the ones on the side. So it's it's yeah, it's just business as usual. And uh, once you eat cruise control at um, 100 k's an hour, because no one speeds these days, it's um you know it's just like having two legs really. So. It's um we're like I say blessed with the NDIS and and what what we have done for them. Yeah, no, they they do some incredible work. That's absolutely for sure. So in terms of work now, Tiny, is it still still business as usual? Are you still going out and doing auctions, doing charities, emceeing? You, you mentioned speaking as well now, so going around and telling your story. So I, I imagine that's taken you around different parts of WA to different community centres and whatnot. Yeah, look, it's everything I do. I actually love doing, and and the auctioneering side is is the main game, and that's that's what I'm good at, and that's that's really my passion. Which uh, I still contract a nutrient, um, which is um, which has been really good. Um, they were very very uh, good to me during my first um, first leg loss, and um, you know I, I owe a lot to to what they did in their generosity from head office and. And um, state livestock manager here, Leon Gillia, um, you know, I was blessed what they did for me. Um, so I still contract to, to Nutrient for the bull selling season. And some of those clients that, you know, they've been clients of mine, but um, more as an auctioneer than, than certainly anything else and for a long, long time. Um, so I'm blessed with that one. I do about 15 or 16 bull sales for the company um, a year. And then um, I also do my own auctioneering, which is the charity and, and corporate stuff. And then um, I do about, oh, I suppose, 50 of those at the moment. We used to get up to 85 uh, pre-COVID, which um, knocked everyone around, of course, and has done and hopefully won't do for much longer, but, but it seems to be still floating around. And then, yeah, like you say, my my talking at the moment is is – 
very passionate about my depression. Um, and it's one of those things that I have got around and, and been lucky enough to do. And I suppose it's because um, I'm just a normal fella. You know, I um, I cry at the drop of a hat and, um, you know, because of it. Um, and believe it or not, I'm not an elite sportsman, even though I've played for the WA for a, in a sport. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those things I don't have a game, bad game of footy and and blame it on mental health. It's it's real for twenty odd years, and um, people seem to to like it. And with the way that I am, I suppose I put a little bit of humour into it because it can be the uh, the end of the road. But um, as I say at the end of my speech, there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, might be very faint, but it's 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 there because of the help we get. You know, with Lifeline and and those sorts of places. I'm I'm an ambassador for Lifeline and. And love what they do, and they certainly saved my life with 13, 11, 14, and you know, so we're blessed. But that's one job that I I, I really do enjoy is is the mental health, and you know, people seem to come up to me after and say, "Thank you very much." And what do I do? So, um, you know, that that's very very rewarding. Oh, it is, it is, and I love that you're able to combine the two things. You're able to help people, and you're able to do the job that doesn't feel like a job. And I just think. Yeah, it's it's quite rare that people get to combine both of those things, Tiny. I think so. It's um, yeah, I, I think you are, as you say, very blessed in that regard. Yeah, blessed and unique is in, in, in what we what well certainly what I do. Yeah, so um, yep, and it's a it's a long way from being 170 kilos and having blood pressure at oh, I think the highest I got was 240 over 138. I think the doctor and um, he wouldn't let me out of the rooms for a while. I had cholesterol at 9.9. Um, I had um, my sugar diabetes was regularly up to 16 or 17. Um, so probably not a picture of health. Um, but now um, cholesterol is at 3.4, um, 100 kilo, uh, just under 100 kilos. That's without my legs, of course. And um, my sugar and, and everything is under control. You know, I'm almost a normal person, I suppose. Well, yeah, very, very lucky. Yeah, that's so good to hear, Tiny. It's um quite a quite an amazing journey there. And you said before that you like to throw humour in and make light of the situation where you can. So there must have been an occasion, surely, where people have asked you, how do you overcome nerves when you're up there giving emceeing or auctioneering or something like that? And you just be able to shoot back at them and say, well, it's easy for me because I don't get cold feet. No, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, or, or hop on board because I can't, and, you know, all those sorts of things. Most people say it cost me an arm and a leg to get there. I say it costs two legs. And, yeah, you've got to be real, Tom. You know, it's it's something that's happened to me and you can't take it back. You know, you can't say, well, no, I want my legs back and I want to be normal because that's not human nature, you know, whether it be a, a, a human or a cat or a dog or a cow, you know, it, things happen. And um, you can't change it. So onwards and upwards, as I say, you know, I, I remember at a function I said, you know, I didn't choose to, to get sick, but now that I'm sick, you know, I, I couldn't have better friends to, to go through it with me. And, you know, that's as true as I sit here in my office. It's, it's, I'm very, very lucky because if you do the right thing by people, um, few people are kind. They really are. Tiny, I really appreciate it. You've had a, it's been a beautiful chat that we've had with you here today. So thank you for giving us your time and sharing your story with us. It's very inspiring. So onwards and upwards, as you say. Exactly. My absolute pleasure, Tom. And I uh, thank you for the opportunity. And look, if, if people are struggling, you know, there's people to reach out to, you know, the worst case scenario, they, they could even ring me, but you know, there's Lifeline, there's um, Beyond Blue and all those sorts of things. 
and um, you know, just put it out there because um, there's help there available if if you want help, and that's half of the trouble with a, with a lot of these uh, things. If you want help, it's there. So, but realize you've got a little bit of a hiccup, and uh, move move forward. For more information or to get in contact with one of the team, visit us at milne.com.au or call 9351 0726.